We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We missed y'all yesterday, but we're back today, and it's Wednesday, so that means y'all know we're about to do a midweek rundown. We got a few topics we're going to get into today. We're going to talk some some Notre Dame slash college football topic at the beginning, Ryan, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about recruiting. We're going to kind of discuss the, the five really must-gets as we look at Notre Dame and this recruiting class and what do they need to do to, to not only meet needs but also to kind of have that gap-closing class. Who are the five must-gets that, that, this, that, they, that they need in this class? And then we're going to talk a little about the Big Ten and this uh, idea that's being floated around about how the Big Ten is going to approve or make it change their rule right now you have to play a power five non-conference game they're going to change the rule to eliminate that how that shows absolute cowardice from the big 10 uh but also just how in college football we continue to see the people that supposedly are the stewards of the game do nothing but destroy it in an attempt to get money grabs and that's what this is all about and it disgusts me and i'll explain what i mean by that because you may think well money grab but wouldn't it mean Playing bigger teams means more money. No, I'll explain. So we'll get into that, Ryan. But we're going to kick today's show off with a, you know, it's that kind of that time of year, Ryan, where you start to see all these lists coming out. Top 25 this, top 10 position groups, top 10 players, all these type of things. And I'm fascinated by these lists every year. They're fun. I mean, they're they're enjoyable. And so we're gonna we're gonna look at one of the lists today and kind of just use it as a a, a starting point. We're not going to rip the guy that put the list together too bad. It wouldn't be hard to do. We're just going to kind of use this as a as a guide to a conversation. And we'll talk about the Notre Dame players that are on these top 10 lists, the Notre Dame players that should be on these top 10 lists. And then in some instances where, no, nah, there's not a Notre Dame guy that right now looking into the season deserves to be on this list. But who could be on this list by season's end? Or who do we think could be on this list a year from now? So it's going to be for a fun conversation. We're going to focus on offensive position groups today. We'll do defensive position groups next week, Ryan. But we're going to begin with sort of the guys that are on the list from Notre Dame. And we, we could start in two places because there are two Notre Dame players that are on list. But we're going to start off at offensive tackle 
because according to Pro Football Focus, and I've and I've seen several other rankings that are exactly the same way, that uh, have have uh, Joe Walt, Notre Dame's Joe Walt, as the number one offensive tackle returning college for college football. Now there's a little bit more debate about who may be the best, the number one offensive tackle in the draft. There's a little bit more discussion there because that projects tools and things like that. But this is more of who's going to be the best college football player. And in the list that we looked at, Ryan, and in a lot of other lists, it's it's pretty con- it's pretty consistent that Joe Walt's number one, and I think that's pretty spot on. I think he's the best. He was one of the three or four best tackles in college football last year, and the only other guys in the conversation are all gone now. They're all in the NFL, so I think that's a no brainer number one selection there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, it's pretty easy when, especially when you think that it's a PFF list, obviously, right? And and Joe Walt was their number one ranked offensive tackle last year. So when you think about returners, grading system obviously is going to be a part of the conversation for a PFF driven list. And then when you also talk about the accolades that Joe Walt was able to have, you know, like a you know near consensus All American on every major platform, every major list that matters. So I mean, it was it was a no brainer, honestly, Brian. I mean, I, I think that if there was a Again, if we're if we're talking about more of the subjective viewpoint, if a guy was maybe has that NFL draft background or just kind of a, a general person in you know in in just in, in general, I guess you could have a conversation piece between like you know, do you like Olufashanu? Do you like someone else a little bit more? Maybe you have a little bias in certain areas. But when you think about PFF, the one thing that it is supposed to be built off of, right or wrong is the grading system. That's one thing that's supposed to be built off. And and clearly, I think that this one is very much driven that way because, I mean, even because we're going to talk about it, you know, breaking it down a little bit, but like Olu Fashano isn't even number two on this list, who is pretty much considered, if not the best, the second best offensive tackle returning college football. This is a very PFF grading system centric list that we're looking at. 
and Joe Walt ending as pro football focuses top offensive lineman in the 2020 after the 2022 season. Can't say I'm very surprised that he ends up at number one on this list. It's, it's not, this is not a shocker in any sense. Obviously PFF is going to have their way of doing things, Ryan. And, and we'll, we'll discuss that, but I also, I also want to kind of give our opinion on what we think these rankings should be as well. And so when you look at the top 10 list that pro football focus has, obviously this is an easy one that we agree on looking through that list. It it is interesting how, how we have seen this from pro football focus for years. They will just fall in love with certain offensive linemen. I mean, they were dead set adamant that Kane Madden was going to be one of the best interior offensive linemen to college football in 2021. And we kept saying, Nope, because they'll just fall in love with these certain guys. And, you know, part of it is you have certain people, you don't have this, it, there's not a consistent grading system. Now the, the system, well, I shouldn't say that the system is the same, but you have different people applying that system to players, which is going to create some, some, some unevenness. Uh, let's just say, cause it'll be funny. Cause you'll see Notre Dame will play a team and you'll have one guy grading the Notre Dame side of it. And then another guy grading the other team. And so you'll look at like Notre Dame will have like 12 pressures allowed, and then the guy that grades the other team will have this say like, well, they had 21 pressures. Well, like, okay, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it won't even have the same number of sacks, same number of quarterback hits. And I'm like, these things, it should not be all that hard to determine. And that's one of the flaws in it. And that's why you can't just only look at a grading system. You also have to be able to use your eyeballs. And when you yes. put your eyeballs on the list, I mean, it, to me, they're, it's a no brainer that Joe Walt's the number one tackle on the list. The rest of the list I thought was pretty interesting. Yep. And you had uh, you had Graham Barton from Duke, number two. You had J.C. Latham from Alabama, number three. Uh, Olu Fashano, Fashano from Penn State, number four. Jonah Monheim from USC, number five. Will Campbell from LSU, number six. Kelvin Banks from Texas, number seven. Javon Foster from Missouri, number eight. Uh, Talies Fuega from Oregon State, number nine. He's a pretty good player. Yes, and then Jordan Morgan from Oregon, number 10. So, Ryan, just give me some uh, number one. What are some of the ones on that list that really stand out to you as, hey, you nailed that one, or what the heck are you thinking on that one? I will say this. I don't know if I – I personally like the Fashanu kid. I've seen him more. I, I like him. I think he's – if I could take any other tackle in college football, he's probably the guy that I would take. Yeah. But I can understand why he wouldn't be number one. He's he's him and Blake Fisher are two guys that I look at just consistency is what I need to see a little bit more of from him. But man, he's really talented. The rest of that list is the Duke kids I thought pretty good. I like him, very steady, very physical kid. You know, okay athlete. There were some that I just had some like head scratchers on there, Ryan. And and I want to kind of get some of your thoughts on those and I'll share some of mine as well. What are some some sure. of the ones you liked? that you thought they really nailed. And then some of the ones that you look at and say, nah, can't go there with you. Yeah. This is why this conversation, I think it's so nuanced because there's like a, there's a really fine line between resting on a resume and then projecting a little bit to the 2023 season. I feel like that's a lot of some of these, in my opinion is, is like a further projection. Yeah. Cause I'll be honest, like JC Latham should be on the list based upon what he did in 2022, but I do not think he should be number three based upon what he did in 2022. I think that the reason that he is so high on this list is because you know, that JC Latham has elite level traits. Like that kid is yeah. incredibly gifted, long athletic, all that. So I think that people are projecting year two as a starter potentially move over to left tackle, obviously with Tyler, uh, Ty, uh, Tyler Steen go into the NFL. I think that you look at him and say, he's probably going to take a massive jump forward. So I have no 
problem with him being on the list. I just think it's more you're projecting a little bit forward if you think that he's the third best returning. That's kind of mm-hmm. the only conversation point I have. Olu Fashanu should be there. I think he should be a couple spots higher, to your point. Graham Barton should definitely be included on the list. There's no doubt about that. That's probably, probably my bit. top three, by the way, yeah. is yeah. Alt, Fashanu, and Barton. Probably, I, yeah. I will say this too. I'm okay if you want to do projection moving yeah. forward. As long as whenever you're doing a ranking, you're 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 honest about it. Yes. Hey, just so you know, we're projecting what we think will be the case in 2023 and then give your reasons why. And there should be a level of what we've seen. Like you, you need to at least see a guy do something before you yes. get it. Like we talked about this before the show about all this hype about, uh, you know, Taiwan Malone is going to Ohio State and, oh, this is a big pickup. And I'm like, based on what is high school recruiting rankings? Because he hasn't done jack at Ole Miss in two years. <laughs> right. You know, so so he's going to not do anything in the SEC and then come to Ohio State and all of a sudden be a dude. Like, oh, oh, OK, maybe, I guess. <laughs> if you say but, so. If you say sure. so. All right. Whatevs. <laughs> But uh, but anyway, I just yeah can continue yeah. on your list. But I just I do think that that top three. I feel with you. I'm I'm with you on that top three. Yeah. Uh, because there's a lot. I mean, honestly, Ryan, I'll say this as you kind of go through the list. I want to put this in people's ears. This isn't a year where there's a lot of proven high level tackles in college football. There's not. Yeah. There's a ton of projection happening here. Kelvin yes. Banks from Texas is another example of a guy that I think we're projecting a little bit. He'd be on my top 10 because he he did some nice things last year, but I'm projecting he's going to be a little bit more consistent this year with Kyle Flood. But there's a lot of that on this list, in my opinion. Well, well, and he was the next guy I was going to talk about, Brian, was, was Kelvin Banks because I was completely fine with him being on the top 10 list because that kid has some incredible ability, right? And you saw it as a freshman, although he's playing on a – very underwhelming Texas offensive line. It improved during the course of the year, but it still wasn't a great offensive line in 2022. He was easily the standout as a true freshman. He was the guy that you looked at and said, that guy's going to be a stud. Like eventually, if he has good coaching in year two, year three, he has a chance to be a special football player because he has, similarly to what I was talking about with J.C. Latham, like he has just some of those God-given abilities that you just can't teach a kid. Like you can't. Either you have that length or you don't. Either you have that raw power or you don't. Either you have that athleticism or you don't. And he has all those things where you look at and say, that kid could be a high-level player on the next level. I also loved, and this is probably my greatest uh, omission into the list, was Talisa Fuaga out of Oregon State, man. I love that kid. I'm Mm -hmm. telling you guys. And I know that it's hard because unless you're a – former offensive lineman or you coached offensive line or you have a deep evaluation background, it's tough to, to nail offensive line evaluation sometimes. That is one of the positions that is probably the hardest to really break down how good a player is just from the naked eye. Fuaga playing right tackle for Oregon State this past year, number 75. He was listed, I think, on the roster. This has him at 6'6", 326. I think he was even listed heavier than that at Oregon State, man. This kid is a dancing bear at right tackle for Oregon State. But the great crazy thing is, Brian, is like you see him on the hoof. You're like, that dude is massive, yeah. long arms, big dude. But then you see him in space, you're like, oh, my guy can move a little bit, man. Yeah. Like, he can move a little bit, yeah. right? I love that kid. I really do. I think he is the best player on Oregon State coming back for a, a team that won 10-plus games last year under Jonathan yeah. Smith. I think he's the best football player coming back for that team. 
Jordan Morgan was a kid for Arizona that made the list. I like that he made the list because he's a really solid football player, good football player, got hurt in the 2022 season. So I actually thought maybe they would leave him off the list. But when healthy, he is one of the 10 best offensive tackles returning. My biggest question mark in this list was easily when we go to number five was Jonah Monheim out of UCSC. Yeah. That's that's my guy, man. Uh, otherwise, most of the names I was okay with. I'm good. There's projections. I'm okay with. There are some guys that I did feel that should have been on there. For example, I think there, we can. one for we can, sure. Yeah. Go ahead and say it because I know he's a guy that you're very high on and, and I am as well. Go ahead Roger, and say it. Roger Rosengarten, who's a starting right tackle for Washington. One of the I, – I probably would have had him in my top five, to be honest. Well, see, and like, that's that my thing. Like, you're talking about all these – pack 12 guys you're okay with and i'm like yeah I'm, I'm okay with the kid from arizona being in there too but he shouldn't be in there if roger rosengarten isn't now again i can say okay you know he only played a year for them last year but it, it just it's kind of funny where i watch him play and and you know i the pro football focus numbers for him were a little head scratching to me they had him as the third team all pack 12 guy last year uh, i thought he was yeah. very good they had him down for 17 pressures I didn't see – I mean, I, maybe yeah. there's a couple games, right, where he gave up a lot of pressures that I didn't watch, but I see a guy – I didn't see a guy that gave up those many, that many pressures. And so uh, he's a guy that I think definitely should be on the list. I, Jonah Monheim to me is just – it's a lot like last year. Remember all the, the Andrew Voorhees, oh, my gosh, this guy's so good. And, you know, he, he was okay. You know, yeah. and, oh, he, he'd have been a first-round pick if he didn't get hurt. No, he wouldn't have. I mean, you and I are having this conversation. We've seen the the DB from Washington that tours Achilles and still Sydney went around two. Yeah. We saw uh, Landon Dickerson a couple years ago tours tours ACL like what last game of the year. And he hadn't fit. He had not finished. He had not finished four of five seasons he played in yes. college with due to an Correct. injury. I mean, yes, yes, and still went in the second round. Right. Yes. I mean, we've seen this. We've seen who was the other guy we were talking about? Um, Jamison Williams, wide receiver, yep. tears his ACL in the. College football national championship game and still goes can, in the top 15. Yeah. Right. I mean, test. so we've seen this a bunch. And so Andrew Voorhees, if he's a first round talent, he does not fall to round six. He falls to at worst round three or four at worst. Yeah. You know, and so, but you just get that hype on some of these guys that I think is system driven. And and when I look at offensive linemen, I don't care about system driven. I care about are you are you a high level football player? And I just I don't see that from Jonah Monheim. And it just like I didn't see it from, from Andrew Voorhees. And and I like Jonah Monheim. He's a nice player coming out of high school. Notre Dame gave him a look late in the process. But you can't have him in the in the top five and not have Roger Rosengartner on the list at all, in my opinion. I I, I, th- I think that for me, Brian, the Monheim thing is a little bit driven because you know, sack numbers are always the thing that people go back to. You know, he gave sure. up X amount of sacks, he gave up no sacks on the season. Well, when you're playing with Caleb Williams exactly. makes magic happen. <laughs> like, exactly. I mean, how many how many sacks should Notre Dame have had against Caleb Williams? How many? Exactly. And it just it, it's not. I don't think it's very indicative of how good the offensive line was actually. When you talk about the, it was like when Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts and Tom Brady was the quarterback of the New England Patriots. They got both got the ball out of their hands so dang quick. They got some offensive linemen paid that maybe were yeah. a little bit overrated because they were just that type of football player. Caleb's different in the fact that he's an extender compared to those guys. But the fact of the matter is, is it's just hard to get Caleb Williams on the ground, yeah. man. It's just hard. And I just think that the sack totals are a little bit skewed in that sense. And they had him down for 21 pressures. I mean, even, even on their own system, he just, he didn't give up any sacks or hits, which, you know, 
again, pro football focus also claims that Jared Patterson never gave up a sack in four years. And I mean, that's just not accurate. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, you know, I mean, you had Blake Fisher gave up 17 pressures. He just gave up more sacks. Well, again, I think that's as much quarterback related as is anything else. You know I mean? They're, like you said, there were times Zerny brought multiple guys free and they didn't get a touch on Caleb Williams. Why? Yes. And nothing to do with Jonah Monheim or Andrew Voorhees or anybody else. It was about Caleb Williams. So, uh, 100%. you know, he, he's he's one now. Now, let's talk about Blake Fisher, though, Ryan, as we kind of get ready to move on to the next one. Yep. I'm okay with Blake Fisher not being on this list. Yeah. Just because with Blake Fisher, he does even like a Kelvin Banks is a guy that I need to see more consistency from. Even Roger Rosengarten is a guy, even as a, as a redshirt freshman last year, I need to see a little bit more consistency from. Uh, Olu Fashano, I need to see more consistency from. I think the thing that separates Joe Walt and the kid from Duke is you're just, you know what you're going to get snap after snap after snap, right? There's a level of consistency there, but Blake has got to be more consistent. And I'll say this, it will not shock me at all. If by the end of the season, we're having a conversation about how Blake Fisher is one of the 10 best offensive tackles in college football. I mean, it would not shock me at all. And I expect him to be in that conversation, but I am okay with him not being on there right now. And I, and I, and I got him on that list and I'll tell you, here's another guy that I'm going to make a little bit of a prediction, Ryan, and I think you're going to like this prediction. Yep. Another guy that is not on this list should not be on this list because he has not played well enough, mm-hmm. but I think will be on this list when the season is over. Miles Hinton for Michigan. You give him good coaching and a good system to play in, he, his game is going to take off because he's a lot like Blake yep. Fisher. His flashes are really impressive, like yep. really impressive. And I think playing in that system, I mean, we've talked about this, Ryan, where they don't have like a lot of stars on that offensive line. He's the most talented kid they will have had in a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, and, and he completely shut down Notre Dame. He completely dominated Isaiah Foskey last year in that matchup. And he hadn't played in a month. Comes yeah. back and he plays and Miles and, and uh, Walter Rouse is out that game. And then all of a sudden, just like that, you know, he just completely shuts down and, and, um, dominates dominates uh isaiah foskey so that's a guy that i think could could end up being on this list when it's all said and done and that's a big projection ryan because he's very inconsistent but his good film his top 10 good plays are are going to be among the five best and offensive tackles in college football just like blake fisher it's just the consistency isn't there yet I think the new situations are a great point, though, Brian. I mean, you just mentioned another guy, too, that's in a different situation. Walter Rouse is going to be working with Bill Benamon. One of the best in the business. And, I mean, Walter Rouse is also a very – he's not quite as talented as Miles Hinton, in my opinion, but he's still a very talented football player. If you can get the best out of Walter Rouse in one year at Oklahoma, I think he has a chance to be on this list. Another guy I would say as well, because I agree – look – Blake Fisher, I'm surprised. Like, I'm sure that he maybe would have been included in like an honorable mention list, maybe in this situation, because this list does gravitate towards upside, right? And it's hard to not look at Blake Fisher and be like, that dude has tremendous upside. Other guy, Ruben Fathery out of Texas AM is a guy that I think could make a huge a jump. Boy. He was he was really good as a freshman two years ago. Actually had his best game of the season was against Will Anderson, man. He had a really good game against Alabama. This past year, I felt like he got a little bit caught in the fact that like this offense was just a mess last year. It was just absolutely yeah. a mess. Hopefully he takes a nice step as a junior because he is another kid that has a lot of God-given traits. He is a similar-ish football player, a little bit taller, but he reminds me a little bit like Blake Fisher because he's a wide dude, massive, very explosive, better in the run game than he is in the pass game at times. 
But I really think Ruben Father is another guy along Walter Rouse and Miles Hinton, to your point, that could be on the list by the, by year's end. And Blake Fisher should be in that conversation as well. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing people, some people project Blake as a first-round draft pick next year. I mean, yeah. again, if you're going to talk about projection, he's got the talent to be so. So it, it's going to be fun. I think this list is going to look way different, way yes. different by season's end. Like, this list probably as much as any of on, on that we've looked at, Ryan, is going to be way different by season's end than it is is right now. I think so. I think so. And I, I, I also think that it. I think it's tough for some people to be able to really break down offensive line film. I mean, that's one of those positions, Brian, for me, where I usually watch more film and offensive linemen than I do for just about every other position because I think it's just such a nuanced position, right? Like you need to watch so much more film on those guys and be able to really kind of decipher their strengths because offensive lines are really built to be cohesive, right? Really built to work in a group. And sometimes it's hard to isolate traits on this guy's a really good football player. He's on a bad offensive line. He was off for one game. He was able to cycle back. I mean, if you watched, for instance, like if you watched the offensive line for Notre Dame the first couple games of the season, you probably would have came away and been like, ah, none of those guys are any good, right? Like they're not very good. But by the end of the season, you're like, nah, they were good. They were just just situational. I would say like by game four, you started uh, game. No, I'll say this second half of Cal, you started to see it. Like it started. Okay. Here they go. Here we go. And then as they kind of moved on by North Carolina and then BYU, you started to you started to see a line that was starting to get there, starting to figure it out. Yeah. Let's move to quarterback, Ryan, because there was also a quarterback from Notre Dame on this list. And, and I'll tell you that the quarterback rankings this year are very interesting. And this particular one from Pro Football Focus, top two made sense. Caleb Williams, number one. Drake May, number two. That's how I'd have it. They had Jordan Travis, number three. Michael Penix, number four. Bo Nix, five. Jaden Daniels, number six. And then Sam Hartman down at seven, right in front of J.J. McCarthy, who they had at eight. K.J. Jefferson at nine. And then Michael Pratt from Tulane at ten. This was a very interesting list, Ryan. Let's rehash what we've talked about before. You and I both have talked. We had a discussion about this a month or so ago, and we both believe Sam Hartman should be a top-five quarterback. If we're taking draft out of the equation, just looking at college football quarterbacks, Sam Hartman's a top five quarterback. We can discuss, should he be ahead of or behind Michael Penick? Should he be ahead of or behind Jordan Travis? I think you had him fifth, I believe, and I had him fourth. And, um, you know, and I think you, to me, uh, you know, I I think you can make a better case he should be three instead of five, just based on what we have seen, the production that we have seen. And it was interesting reading the list. you'd, You'd basically think that the only reason for his production, if you read what Max Chadwick wrote, the only reason for his production uh, was the slow mesh, right? And it's like, okay, sure, whatever you say, buddy. But, uh, you know, to me, I, I'm, I'm good with one or two. Michael Penix, based on what he did last year, he was excellent system-driven to a degree, but he executes that system at a very high level. And then you get down to the conversation of who should be ahead, Jordan Travis or Sam Hartman at four and five. To me, Sam Hartman versus Jordan Travis, head-to-head matters. He's two and oh. Sam Hartman's three and zero against Florida State, two and zero against Jordan Travis, including you know outplaying him last year, and 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 I still feel like just the overall production, the overall yards per game, the total yards, all of that favors Sam Hartman. And now you're going to have Sam Hartman's going to have last year. You you couldn't say that that Sam Hartman had better talent all around than what 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 Florida State had, because Florida State and and Ohio and Wake Forest both had really good receiving cores, right? And we'll talk about one of Florida State's. Yep. But running back and offensive lines, I'm close. 
major advantage to Florida State. But that was that was kind of the thing for me. Is and yep. now he's going to have that. So if we're projecting plus what we have seen, that combination to me is why I think I, I'd be comfortable with Sam Hartman, very comfortable with him at four. But he's certainly top five, and there's no way I'm putting Jane Daniels ahead of him and Bo Nix ahead of him. Uh, that's that's a big thing for me. I think that this is where this – I think quarterbacks get a really cloudy conversation for me from this list because it's a driven list off of the analytics side of things, right, off of the grades. And you're seeing a couple of dual threats that are ahead of Sam Hartman, right? So I think that that really – I think that is an imperfect science for me, Brian, because Sam Hartman could do some stuff with his legs, but he is a pocket passer, right, that can do some extension. And I feel like he's he would get drugged down in this list a little bit because his rushing grades – probably aren't as high as what Jordan Travis's are, what Jaden Daniels are, for right. instance, right? So I think that it's just an imperfect science because, yeah, Sam Hartman's a much different player than Jaden Daniels and Jordan Travis. It doesn't make one better or worse, but right. I think that these lists get skewed to the rushing grades a little well, bit on the quarterback conversation. Yeah, and I think improperly so because, as you mentioned, he's not the dynamic run-throw guy that those guys are. But here's the reality of it. Is it here? What are we looking at here? Are we looking at, you know, style points or are we looking at production? And when you look at it from a production standpoint, it, it's not close. The production from Sam Hartman is significantly better than what it is from Jordan Travis. Jordan Travis last year, total offense. So we're not even looking at just passing yards, total offense, because, again, you need to count rushing yards. Rushing yards count. They, you know, sure. it's, not, it's not like you get a bonus points if it's rushing yards or bonus points because it's passing yards. Yards are yards. Ten yards is ten yards, right? Still, Still a first down no matter how you get it. But Jordan Travis last year averaged 279.3 total yards per game. Yep. And he accounted for 31 touchdowns. Excuse me, 32 touchdowns because he had a receiving touchdown, which is pretty impressive. I saw that one in film the other day. Yeah. Too. Was, it was pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Hartman averaged 319.2 yards per game and accounted for 39 touchdowns playing behind a not very good offensive line the year before he played behind a better offensive line in my opinion and he had 11 rushing touchdowns and triple the yards and averaged 327.9 yards per game so to me the production far outweighs and you can say okay this guy ran this guy doesn't run whatever the case may be but in and jordan travis had even more yards per game than Jaden daniels so again, Jaden Daniels accounted for 28 touch, 29 touchdowns last year. Sam Hartman accounted for 39. It's not even close. The production is not even close. And now you're going to put Sam Hartman on a better team. I, uh, you know, it's like the the pro football focus rank was was it was almost like they were punishing him yeah. for going to Notre Dame, as if he's not going to be as good now at Notre Dame because he's not in that slow mesh offense anymore. Last I checked, all the best coaches in the in America aren't beating down their door trying to steal Warren Ruggiero away from. Dave Clawson. I, I don't think people actually understand what the slow mesh is either sometimes, but that's another conversation. For that's a very <laughs> astute observation there, Ryan, but yeah, uh, he's clearly in the top five for me and, and you, and we've talked about that. Let's talk about some other guys in this list, Ryan, just give some of your thoughts on obviously one, two, three, you and I are comfortable with, although yep. uh, in this Jordan, I like Jordan Travis a lot. I do. Yep. I think Jordan Travis is a very good football player. I, sure. I can't justify having Jordan Travis third. No, he'd be in the top 10 yeah. for sure. There's no doubt. But yeah, I think point. he's top five guy, in my opinion, as Possibly. far as his college football player. You know, yeah. he's in that he's in my five, but I can't I can't justify having him third. I, I really can't. The, I just you're not you're just not going to be able to convince make a convincing argument for me 
that he should be the third quarterback on this list. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Well, and I think, I mean, if we move further down the list too, Brian, JJ McCarthy at eight just is like, I, I get it, man. He was on a winning team. He was a catalyst for the winning team. He played his best football in the biggest game of the, well, not the biggest game of the year, but he played some of his best football in one of the biggest games of the year. I get it. Ohio State. Ohio State. State. Yeah. 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 But I just, just seems a little bit too high for me. I'd rather him maybe be a 10 with a little bit of an asterisk. Like, you know, he's, he's a second year starter now. More is going to be on his plate potentially, hopefully, and be able to get to see the best of JJ McCarthy. I just, just, I just don't think he's the eighth best quarterback in college football right now. Like, that's just kind of where I am with him. I agree. I think a lot of that's projection. I think that if you're going to tell me, because here, here's the thing when you, when you read what he said about JJ, he goes, talks about, he sees the job. He goes, um, he thrives outside of the original play design. Okay. McCarthy's five passing touchdowns outside of structure were tied with Drake May and trailed only Caleb Williams and Bryce Young among power five quarterbacks. Like, okay, that's fine. But you need to say in there, like, hey, this is some projection here, right? We're, we're projecting this a little bit. Yes. And, Yes. To me, you have that's the only way you can justify having him ahead of KJ Jefferson. That's it. I mean, yeah. I, I see, I see, I think KJ Jefferson, I was actually just glad they had him in the top 10, to be honest with you. I didn't think they were going to have him in the top 10. So I was happy to see that. But, uh, you know, to me, the, like I'm seeing him in the first round, first round of the draft and all this other kind of stuff. <laughs> and just some of the stuff that I'm seeing is just like, okay, can like, and, and here's the thing. It's not even anti JJ McCarthy thing, right? No, like, no. He's talented. It, here, here's the problem with it. Y'all are going to put so much pressure and expectations on this kid. It's going to get to the point where he's going to have a hard time living up to those expectations. And that's the problem. You know, you're, you're going to ask this guy to, to go out and carry your football team and, and, you know, because ESPN had him eighth as well. And we talked about that, but you, you have him num- at least, but I'll say this and, and here's where I'll defend PFF. They yeah. had KJ Jefferson on there. And when you look at the ESPN list, I'm, I'm actually going to look up, look this up. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They had KJ Jefferson 12th on their yeah. list. Michael Pratt 15th. Um, a guy that I have on my top 10 list, if we're just talking about college football quarterbacks, and this is probably a little bit of a bias for me, I love watching, love watching Frank Harris play. He, oh, Frank if, Harris if, if I'm going to have a a non-Power 5 quarterback on my list, with all due respect to Michael Pratt, it's going to be Frank Harris. I mean, that, he is fun to watch. And and he's a passer. I think there's this misperce- misconception that he's a runner. He's a passer. Yeah. I mean, that guy throw to football a ton. He threw for 4,600 yards last year, 4,600 yards. Uh, he is a lot of fun to watch. Also ran for he, – I'm sorry, he had a four, passed for 4,000 yards last year and also ran for 6,600 yards last year uh, for, for UTSA. He's a, he's a fun kid. And I don't know, did you watch him play at all against Texas, yeah. Ryan? His yeah. team wasn't very good, but he belonged on that field that day. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He played good football that day. So yep. I I really I really like Frank Harris. He, He's a he, lot of fun to watch. He got a lot better from the year before too. Like if I remember oh, correctly, yeah. he was he was good his year before, but he really turned into one of the more consistent passers in college football yep. last year. I was actually okay with Michael Pratt being on the list because again, Brian, if we're talking about a little bit of projection here, twelve and two last year as a team. They obviously had a big bowl victory over USC, which he came back in dramatic fashion. Michael Pratt had his most productive season last year. And I think you look at him and say, 
They're losing their running back This from that was obviously a great player for them. Now he's going to have an opportunity to be the guy on the offense yeah. consistently. So Here, I think that I think he has a chance to take a huge. Here's chance. the question to your yeah. point: Can he carry the offense that way? And that's always been kind of my big knock on Michael Pratt. And and it's it's very similar. I feel very similar about what we're going to say. What we said. What I'm saying about him is very similar to what I say about JJ McCarthy. Is you know he's a guy that's just been asked to run the offense. I mean, that's what he does, run the offense, and he does that well. And, you know, but when I watched him against USC, he made some great plays with his legs, but he missed – he even in that game, he missed some open targets. I mean, he went 8 of 17 in that game. Now, his 8 went for 234, <laughs> 234 <laughs> yards, but that to me had as much to do with USC's defense being awful as it did anything else. I just have – I have concerns, Ryan, about about his ability to really put a team on his shoulders and carry him without sharp leading that ground attack. We'll see. I hope he does because I like the kid. I mean, he's got some – he's got a big arm. He's got talent. I just don't know if I'm ready to to, to have him in there. And, and K.J. Jefferson is a guy that if he stays healthy this year is going to be a lot of fun to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, I am a little concerned about the change in offensive coordinator for him and how that's going to affect them because now it's Dan Enos as opposed to uh, Kendall Bryles. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious about that, but but he would be a guy in my list. Here's a guy that nobody talks about that I think is, if you haven't watched him play, he's fun to watch. Jaden Delora from Arizona. Good he's player. not in my top 10, Ryan, but yeah. he's a fun player to watch. He, he yes. really is. He's a fun player to watch. Two, two guys that I think could be on this list by the end of the year. One is actually Jaden Delora transfer from Washington State. I think Cameron Ward could have a big yeah. jump this year as a as his second year under Washington State. He's going to be a senior, a fourth year player this year after transferring over from Incarnate Word. I think that he could take a massive jump. I also think Riley Leonard from Duke's going to be a guy yeah. that by the end of the season could be on this list. I mean, he had a really nice redshirt freshman year last year or sophomore oh, yeah. year. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to redshirt because of the quarterback issues the year before. So as a sophomore, though, he threw for, for over 20 touchdowns, obviously led Duke to a, you know, a, a nine win season in the first year under Mike Elko. And he also was a very good rushing <laughs> member right. on the team. I think he ran for over 700 yards and had double digit touchdowns in that area too. So I really think that Cameron Ward could be a guy that takes a massive jump. And I think Riley Leonard has that second year second year starter maturation that you typically see. And I think that yeah. he's going to have a big season for Duke. Yeah, he's fun to watch. And, and and then of course there's guys that have new homes that have had big years in the past. You know, how does Devin Leary do at Kentucky? How does Brennan Armstrong do at NC state? Those will be guys in the conversation. You know, is Joe Milton is, does Joe Milton's production equal his arm strength? You know, yes. cause you're going to hear a lot of talk about him. You know, is Austin Reed a system guy, or is he actually a big time quarterback right now? I I chalk him in, chalk him up as a system guy. To be honest with you, I don't. You know, he's not a guy, but he's going to get his chances this year as well. And then Spencer Rattler is another guy that that okay, are we going to get the guy that ended the season that way and and has the big hype, or are we going to get the guy that spent most of the year being very up and down? I just I think he's very up and down, and I can't have him on my list. Here's the last guy that I think by the end of this season is going to be on this list and will definitely be on this list when we go into next year. Cade Klubnik from Clemson will be on this list next year. There's no doubt. I don't know if he'll be a top 10 quarterback by the end of this season, but when you take away Caleb Williams of the NFL, Drake May of the NFL, Sam Hartman of the NFL, Michael Panks of the NFL, and these guys kind of move on, and then we put this list together next year, I fully expect, fully expect to see him on the list next year to see Kate Klubinick on that list. I, I think 
the thing that's going to hurt him a little bit this year is the town around him is not what the last two big time quarterbacks that Clemson had. It's just, it's just not, he doesn't have the receiving core that those guys had, but he's a really good football player as well. Just yeah. young, young and yes. unproven. And I, it, if I was going to put him in my list now, Ryan, it would be based off of recruiting rankings. And I just don't do that. But I think that's what I'm saying. But by, by, by next season, he's going to be, he's going to be on that list for me. I'll say this. The uh, two teams that I think will not be included on this list is any quarterback that plays for Florida and any quarterback that plays for Auburn. I'm going to gonna strike those guys from yeah. the list. Yeah. Well, <laughs> although what's funny is, no, of course, now Peyton Thorne transferred to Auburn, a guy that ESPN yeah. never talks about. Now, all of a sudden, it's like this guy that's going to get Auburn turned around. And I'm like, sure. What, sure. what are we doing here? What are we doing sure. here? Sure. And here's the, here's the last very intriguing guy. A buddy, a, a guy that I think will be on the list by the end of the year that that is going to take a lot of people off i really think quinn yours is going to be on this list by the end of the year i do possible uh, i it's mean possible. look he, him he's him drew drew aller is another guy that maybe could yeah pop from penn state year. yeah here's yeah. my thing with yours okay yeah. number one he basically should have been a freshman last year i mean if you look at the class he was supposed to come in with he should have been a freshman last year yeah and i i feel like what's happened is we've now gone from one extreme to another with him and the result is going to be him allowed to just kind of go play football. Right. Where, you know, we're hearing stupid things like greatest prospect ever, highest grade ever of a high school quarterback, blah, blah, blah. Just total clickbait <laughs> nonsense that hurts this kid, in my opinion. Yeah. And to a degree, I think he kind of bought into that a little bit, Ryan. Sure. I do. And then he goes to Texas. He gets humiliated, not humiliated. He gets humbled is what I meant to say a little bit by how he played last year. You know, didn't have the big moments that he wanted to. He gets hurt, you know, gets knocked out, comes back, has a really good game against Oklahoma. And you're thinking, okay, here we go. And then he just kind of, eh, against Iowa State, some bad turnovers in a lost Oklahoma State. Doesn't do a whole lot in the win over Kansas State. You know, he wasn't the primary driver of that. Really plays poorly against TCU, plays poorly against Kansas, plays poorly against Baylor. And then statistically had a great game against against Texas or against Washington. And if it's not for Xavier Worthy dropping a bomb, I mean, he has really good numbers in that game. But, okay, Washington's defense isn't that good. Yeah. But I just kind of felt like you, you started hearing people just assuming that Arch Manning was going to come in and beat him out. And you 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 watch the spring game and you you read reports from people down there that I trust and they're like it wasn't close, right? Now part of that is because Arch is o- was is overrated. And I don't mean that disrespect. Maybe Arch Manning is a good football player. I just think this nonsense of him being number one overall player, five star kid, it's just it was too much. And you know Malik Murphy has a really good spring. I just feel like he's now out of the spotlight a little bit. I haven't seen a list yet that has him as a top ten quarterback. And I think that's going to allow him to kind of come out and be a pretty good football player. And here's the big thing. I think the Texas this is the best Texas offensive line we're going to see under Steve Sarkeesian so far this season because you've got some of those younger kids, Kelvin Banks and these other younger kids are now going into year 2 and year 3 starters. I like Kyle Flood a lot as a coach. I don't I don't know if they're going to be a sexy offense this year, uh like some people think, but I think Quinn Ewers is going to be a good football player. I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback this year. I really do. He's got a lot of firepower to work with, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll be talking about Jatavion Sanders at one point this yeah. podcast. We're talking about Xavier Worthy. They had the Isaiah Nayer kid who transferred over from Wyoming last year as a really good football player, but got hurt in the preseason last year. I know they had the the kid that transferred from Georgia as well, the mm-hmm. speedster that transferred right. over there. So they, they the got some that, guys, You're talking man. about the kid that um, I'm, I'm drawing the Mitchell up Michael's kid. name. Yeah, Mitchell. I, 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 yeah. Don I. Mitchell. Yeah. yeah. 
and he he stepped up in some big moments. I just need to see those guys do it first. And I have some questions about their run game, to be honest with you. And I know they got some highly ranked guys coming in, but I mean, B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson are very big shoes to fill. Yes, at that position. But I, I think Quinn Ewers will be in that conversation when it's all said and done. Let's move over to running back, Ryan. This is an interesting one because we're going to go through this list, and uh, this is one we're going to definitely have a big a big debate on. Not so much you and I against each other, but you and I against yeah. the rankings. So they had Blake Corm from Michigan, number one. I'm good with that. Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss, number two. I'm good with that. Uh, Raheem Rocket Sanders at number three from Arkansas. I'm okay with that. Uh, now we get into where it's a little bit more debatable. Bucky Irving from Oregon, number four. Braylon Allen from Wisconsin, number five. Trey Benson from Florida State, number six. Nick yeah. Singleton, Nicholas Singleton from Penn State, number seven. Mayan Williams from Ohio State, number eight. Donovan Edwards from Michigan, number nine. And then Frank Gore Jr., number 10. Um, there's a lot here, Ryan, that uh, <laughs> we're going to get into. But first, obviously, there is no Notre Dame player in the top 10. There should yep. be, in my opinion. When I look at the top 10 running back lists, I mean, I'm seeing lists, Ryan, that are going 20 deep and don't mention Audric Estime. And I just, I'm, this is an example of they don't, they don't, they make assumptions about Notre Dame. They don't actually watch film, in my opinion. Right. And so to me, you know, I saw a list from on three where they had Jarquez Hunter, number five, but no Audric Estime. I mean, I mean, so. my, my question would be is what is Aldrich Estime's PFF grade? That would be my question because I think that's right. all well, this is built See, off. the thing is it's not just pro football focused, though. That's the thing. Like yeah. uh, ES, uh, uh, ESPN came out with a top 10 running backs list, and they didn't have them on it either. They had Corm 1, Junkins 2, Sanders 3, consistency, Nick Singleton 4. That's more accurate. Donovan Edwards 5, no. Uh, Braylon Allen 6, Bucky Irving 7, Will Shipley 8. Trey Benson nine and then Frank Gore uh, tied with him at nine. So that was your top 10. So they didn't have him in there either. And in, in Frank Gore to me is a nice little power group of five running back, right? Yep. He had three 100 yard games last year. He went for like seven, what was it like 17 yards on seven carries against Texas? I think last year is what, what, what we looked at before Ryan. Yep. He's a kid that had over 300 yards rushing in a bowl game. He did 15.4 yards of carry in that one. Right. <laughs> that's well, great. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Good for him. He went for 178 yards in the opener against, opener, opener against Liberty and did not have another 100-yard rushing game until the end of the regular season against Louisiana Monroe. He went for 199, and then he went for 329 in the bowl game against Rice. He only had two games of over 90 yards in between there in the group of five. So he ends up with 1,382 yards because of that big game at the end, and I'm thinking – how in the world are you going to have that kid ahead of Audric Estime? And again, we're not even really having to project Audric Estime, right? Just look at what he did last year. He was a thousand yard player last year. He had over a thousand yards of total offense because he also had almost 200 yards receiving. I, I, I'll be honest with you. This is one of those ones I get really annoyed by. I get yeah. very annoyed by what would Audric Estime do playing against a group of five teams for an entire season? Honestly, like, let, come on. Well, it's 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 an it's absurd, man. It's absurd. And now these same people are going to hype up how Logan Diggs is this, you know, big time back, and SEC teams are fighting over him. And I saw two four seven was like he's the top back, arguably the top back on the market. I'm like, yeah, and he couldn't even beat out Audric Estime. You know what I mean? And that's not a shot on Logan Diggs. Everybody knows I'm a very pro Logan Diggs guy. It's just yep. the point of how are you going to have a top ten list and have Frank Gore Jr. on there? And it, it, and we know why 
It's the name. I get all yes. that. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's a good place. Yeah. yeah, but you're gonna look. You're not gonna have Audric Estime on that list. I mean, yeah. oh well, he's a hammer. Okay, here's Audric Estime from game four on yards per carry: seven nine six nine seven one five seven six two five eight six one six five seven two six eight. In the last nine games of the regular season, Audric Estime's lowest yards total yard yards per play total was five seven, and he only had that low because he only had three carries against UNLV. Because he was fumbling the ball, you know how many yeah. fumbles he had after that. Zero. That was yes, zero. So all his fumbles came in the first six games. So even while splitting carries, he averages five point nine yards per carry, runs for nine hundred twenty-two yards, has eleven touchdowns, and has one hundred thirty-five yards receiving on nine catches, which puts him over a thousand yards on the season. Yep. So I'm having a hard time. And now, if you're going to project, he's not going to be splitting carries with Logan Diggs this year. So. Uh, you can't have a running back list in the top. This is the only guy on only other guy on offense. We're going to say it's BS. He's not on this list. This I, I'm cool with no other Notre Dame players being on the other positions on offense. Yeah. Audrick Estime has to be on this list. There, there's you, we, we saw it. We watched the Clemson Notre Dame game. Will Shipley had, was the third best running back on the field that day. Right. Yep. I mean, so we've seen them play against each other and I like Will Shipley, but, you know, Frank Gore Jr. should not be on the list over Audrick Estime. Um, well, we'll uh, ship, Will Shipley would be on my list, though, with Estime. He would yes. be on this list for yes. me. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. And PFF doesn't have him on their top 10. Doesn't have which Will is, Shipley on their top which 10. Which is weird. Which is very weird. I feel like he would be a good person for clicks as well because yeah. he's a white running back from Clemson, right? right. Like there's a little bit of clickbait. Well, there, that's a position it where it's not, it's not but, an ideal situation. But yeah, I mean, yeah. and to your point, Will Shipley. It, it, and here's the thing that's that that works for Will Shipley and Audric Estime for me yep. is you got to look at what those guys did with very little help. Yes. And Will Shipley rushes for 1,100 yards, five six a carry, 15 touchdowns last year. Also has 242 receiving yards and 38 catches. Also returned 14 kicks for 324 yards with very little help in the passing game. Very little help in the passing game. And you know you look at that and say, boy, this you know. I mean, Will Shipley is really the only reason they were even in the South Carolina game by the by the second half. I mean, he yeah. he went off in that game. So I he should be on the list. Audric Estime should be on the list. Now, guys that should not be on the list, Frank Gore Jr. is an easy one for me. Yeah. And I know Ohio State fans are not going to like this, but I I I wouldn't have Mayan Williams on the list either. I wouldn't either. It doesn't yeah. make him not a good football player. It's, it's just, just... Yeah, good numbers, but he won't even be their number one running back this year. Well, if I, I was is healthy. Well, that's what I was going to say is that is he even going to be the lead ball carrier if Travion's healthy? Like, that's right. the big thing. I mean, right. I would say this too, Brian. I think there's just a couple kids that are just a little bit too high. Like, I, I like, I thought Bucky Irving had a really good year for Oregon this past year, yeah. but he's more of a seven to 10 type of player on this list, in my opinion. Like, he's a good player, though, man. Like, there's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. Like, I just think he's a little bit too high on this list. Yeah. Nicholas Singleton's a, a little bit system. too low. He's a system guy. Bucky, real quick, too, is a bit of a system guy for me as well. He's a good running back, right? But, you know, 1,058 yards, it's, it's good. 13 games, that's that's good production. It is. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, to me, was pretty good the second half of the year. You know, all four of his 100-yard games came in the second half of the year. But I just have always kind of felt like he was a little bit of a system guy to me, you know, by any benefits from the fact that he has a very mobile quarterback working with him. They had yeah. a nice one, two punch at running back last year uh, with him and Noah Whittington. So I think that helps. But to your point, there's no way there's no planet where I'm going to have Bucky Irving, who you said, I mean, it, are we arguing that Bucky shouldn't be on this top 10 list? We're not arguing yeah. that. 
No. He should not be ahead of Nicholas Singleton. He's also, yeah, I mean, Bucky's also a really good receiver, which helps him, right. obviously. But, yes, Nick Singleton should be higher. Yeah. 31 I catches, do- 299 yards, by the way, just just to point out. Yeah. The, the, that's good. That's really good production from uh, from a running back in the receiving game. Thirty one catch. But Will Shipley had thirty eight. Yeah. Well, and and I mean, in in that offense for Oregon, I think it's really impressive too because that's a heavy RPO system, obviously, yeah. right? So it's not like he's a traditional pass yeah. game weapon all the time. I really did like Trey Benson on this list, Brian. Yeah. I, I got my eyes really on him. Like I watched him during the season, but I got like some coaches' eyes on him the other mm-hmm. day, man. And th- this stat, I always hate these stats sometimes because I'm like, I don't know if that's very accurate. But the 51% tackle breaking ability, which basically means over 51 percent of the people that try to tackle him miss him. <laughs> don't yeah. don't break him down. I think it's legitimate, man. I watched yeah. a couple of games. I'm like, oh, this dude is just making dudes miss left and right. Trey Benson's really good. And yeah. if we're talking about the projection thing, the backup ward is no longer on the team anymore. So he's right. a guy that's probably even going to get more carries in 2023. Yeah, he'll get more loans to Ophelia if he's still there. I, I have to go back and look at that one. Um he, you know, he obviously is, um, you know, he's a guy too that I, I think will get more carries as well. But to your point, I think Trey Benson's going to have a nice jump this year, and I think their passing game is going to even get even a little bit better this year as well. So, um, the two Michigan backs I have a hard time with just because Donovan Edwards, I, I, I like Donovan Edwards, and and part of me wants to not have him on there, and then I just kind of feel like, it. but then I look at the numbers and like he rips up Penn State, he rips yeah. up Ohio State, he produces in the postseason, and it's like okay, he 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 belongs on there. Like I had a hard time yeah. like with the number two back being on there, but then you're like, yeah, but if you put him on any other team, he's thirteen hundred yards and he's on the list. So I, I you know, I I, th- I, I think down there. I think down the stretch too. I think the one good thing for Michigan obviously they didn't want Blake Corm to get hurt but I think that that made them I would think that it's going to make them very more understanding of like hey we can give Donovan Edwards a little bit more yeah. of a workload earlier in this year and we can really split carries yeah. a little bit more so that Blake Corm isn't broken down by that if season. you can have both of them healthy by November you're going to be pretty you're going to be pretty dangerous there's yes. no doubt there's no doubt they're the only team right now that I would say deserves two. like there's a lot of people putting Ohio State on there. I just can't get there with the Ohio State's guys right now. They've got to prove to me that they can stay healthy and and produce in some of the, the bigger moments. That's that's really what I need to see from them. Travion Henderson two years ago, no brainer to be on this list, but he he didn't even look that. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he was hurt all year. He just he didn't really impress me early in the season. He had a nice game against Wisconsin, eh, you know. But the other thing, too, with Ohio State, even like – and this is not true of Michigan, in my opinion. I feel like it's a very – it's like it's going to produce you stats. And and a lot of times maybe some hollow stats when you look at – because of how teams defend their run game, because you have to spend so much time defending the pass that – I mean, they just get a lot of big open holes. Just scheme driven. Not even the old line's great. Just scheme driven, and and I kind of feel like, yeah, they had good numbers. But if you put like Donovan Edwards or Blake Corum in that system with that pass game and that run scheme, you know their numbers would be even greater. And that's kind of the way I look I, at it. I caught a lot of flack on draft Twitter a couple years ago, Brian, when I was like, I don't really think Trey Sermon's that great of a player. I just think he has right. some wide open rushing lanes, and people were like, that. Oh man, he ran for. He ran for yeah. 300 yards in the whatever, you know, the Big right. Ten championship game. I'm like, I, I understand. I hear you. And then all of a sudden he's a third-round pick and he hasn't produced in two years right. in the NFL. Like, that's just kind of what I think. Right, know? right. And then he had a couple big games, right? Big game against Northwestern, big game against Clemson. 
I mean, you know, Master Teague had production in that offense, and he's not that great of a running back either. I mean, he's a guy that had 789 yards and 5.8 yards per carry in 2019, and, you know, it's it's a very system-driven run game to me. I will say if if you can guarantee me Travion Henderson healthy all year that he could maybe be a top five yes. back on this list by yes. the end of the season. Like yes. I think he has that type of talent. Travion's the only one that I would have that conversation about. He just has to prove to me he can be healthy. If somebody yep. wanted to project him to being healthy and being their lead back this year, I, I wouldn't argue with that. But Mayan he's Williams incredibly talented. Incredibly yeah, talented. Mayan Williams where he's been, I just I can't I can't and because the other thing too is Travion is a legit, legit weapon in the pass game. Like yeah, legit weapon in the pass game. Like he is dangerous in a pass game. And he wasn't last year uh, a, a ton because of the injuries. He only caught four passes for 28 yards. And that's a kid that had 27 catches for 312 yards receiving in, two, in 2021 as a freshman on top of 1,255 rushing yards and 15 touchdowns. So yeah. he's just got to prove he can stay healthy. That's going to be the big thing. But if he's healthy, if you're going to tell me he's going to be healthy and, and he's going to say, okay, bam, here we go. He's going to be healthy all year. I'd say, okay, yeah, put him in the top ten and and close to the top five. I mean, he's that kind of talent. And then you put him in the system, yeah. And and you know, you're you're going to get your production. I'm, I'm still so confused. I've already said this player, but I just I don't get the Will Shipley non love on this list. To be honest, I mean, he was a former high recruit. He was very productive last year, and he plays for a big brand in Clemson. Like I'm just very yeah. confused on why he is no, not, not included in this list. No, I, I'm, I'm very confused. I'm very confused. You know it. why he's not on this list. Uh, I mean, man, it's just insane, brother. It's insane. You know why he's not on this list. <laughs> he's the he's the white hope, man. He's the white hope. <laughs> not at this position, uh, but um, you know, Audrey Gestime though. At, at the end of the day, he needs to be on this list, and I think he I think he will be, but. I can just see it now, though, Ryan, can't you? Like, he starts running for a bunch of yards, and it's, well, of course he's running for yards. He's got, you know, Sam Hartman's protecting him now, and he's got Blake Fisher and Joe Walt and Bob. You know, they're, you know they're going to talk his numbers down. Yeah. And and I was talking with a Division One running back recently, and he and he was talking about, like, yeah, you know, I just don't see it with him. And I'm just like, look, man, I, I don't know what to tell you, but here's what I know. That dude rips people up when he gets to football. That's all I know. Yes. Right? Yes. So uh, he's a guy that should be on that, con- on that list. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. A, a, a potential breakout is, I already mentioned him a little bit, but the Ward kid, I forget his first name, that played behind Trey Benson last year for Florida State. He's in Kansas State now, so he'll be taking over that mantle of what Deuce Vaughn was doing in that offense potentially. So I think he could have a really nice season. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that's going to be fun to see. You're talking about Treshawn Ward, right? Treshawn yeah. Ward. Yep. Treshawn Ward State. actually averaged more yards per carry last year than Trey Benson did. He averaged six point six yards per carry and seven touchdowns last season. And he he's a veteran guy, so he he's been and he's been around. He he had over a thousand yards in the two previous seasons combined. Ryan. Yep. Hit over 500 in 2021, over 600 last year. And I think that's a system built for his skill set, in my yes. opinion. Short, quick slasher back, you know, a guy that can hit some home runs. He's very much built for that, for that system. Yep. I could see that. I could certainly see that. That's a good call on that one. Let's go over to wide receiver, Ryan. This is an interesting one as well. If you have a top 10 receiver list in college football, and it does not include having Marvin Harrison number one, you should no longer be putting out lists for <laughs> – Football players, and this one has Marvin Harrison number one. So I was going to say, l- yeah. lucky for Max Chadwick, he does. Yes, it, so he's yes, good. Yes. <laughs> you have number two. You have Emeka Egbuka at number two. Roma Dunze at number three. Xavier Worthy at four. Malik Neighbors from LSU at five. Jalen McMillan from Washington at six. You have Johnny Wilson from Florida State at seven. Dorian Singer from USC at eight. Lad McConkey at Georgia at nine, and then Malachi Corley at Western Kentucky at number 10. A lot of thoughts on this one, Ryan. I have a lot of thoughts. And I'm going to begin just kind of working my way down. Mecca Igbuka is a good football player and absolutely belongs on this list. I just, I, I've seen a lot of people put him two and three, and I just can't go there. If you want to say top five and be at the bottom of the top five, I wouldn't argue with you. I wouldn't even have him in the top five, just to be honest with you. He's very talented. Wow. But I don't mm-hmm. think he puts a team on his shoulders and does the things he does if he doesn't have 18 on the other side, taking some of that pressure off. And a perfect example to me is the semifinal game when Marvin went down and they needed a Mecca to step up and do something. And he couldn't make those he couldn't make those winning plays at the end. And and you know, when 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 Marvin was down. Now he put up if you look at his numbers in the game, he put up eight, had over hundred yards, but when he didn't have a Mecca on the other, when he didn't have Marvin on the other side of the field. Because how many times have we heard have we heard uh, Ohio State fans say, "Well, if Marvin doesn't get hurt, we win." And I think there's some truth to that. Just like we said the year before about Jamison Williams in the title game. But the whole point is, when Jamison Williams went down, you didn't have John Mechie either. Now you're asking what, like Slade Bolden and a bunch of dudes that never played before step up and win you that game. Ohio State just needed a Mecca Buka to step up and win in that game, right? And I feel like if he was that dude, you'd think he would have made a a, a player two. At, at the end of that game to, to win it. And he couldn't. And so it's a very good player in the top 10. If you want to say top five, I'm not going to argue with you, but he can't have, you can't have number two in my list. You can't have number two. I mean, I, I, I would be completely fine with Roma Dunze from Washington being number two. I think that, I mean, when I look at that kid, I'm just like, that kid is six, three, two, two fifteen plus. He could run for days. He's explosive. I, there's a lot of route runner. Yeah. Yeah. He is. I, but I, I just think that, one reason that a mech is so high is just I think that this list is just no. not a great list. I mean, overall, I mean, I, I, mean, look, I, I, I get that. I get yeah. that. But to yeah. me, there's enough kids that you can project and enough kids that have I mean, even again with room. You, you've got him. OK, well, he's a product of a system and the Ohio State kids aren't. I mean, you're telling me the system doesn't benefit their numbers. 
as well? Sure. Of course it does. And that's okay. But you can look at the talent and say, is this guy good or not? And to me, you look at the production. I, I feel like those kids at Ohio State are great players. They're top 10 players. But when I watch the Washington kids play, I'm like, they are too. They're outstanding players too. And so to me, I'm, I'm putting Rome in that conversation. And again, let's be honest. I like Michael Penix a lot, but he's not CJ Stroud. Sure. You know, and so I, I'm I'm going to have to go with room there. Now, I think the one thing that 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 hurts him a little bit is the touchdown numbers because Washington spreads the ball around a lot more than Ohio State did last year. I mean, you look at Ohio State last year, you had four guys that had over 200 yards of receiving, only four. And that was Marvin, Emeka, Julian, and Cade Stover. And you only had four guys that had more than 13 catch. Only four players at Ohio State last year had more than 13 catches last year, which in the past, they spread the ball around a lot more in the past. They didn't last year. You look at Washington, Ryan, they had nine guys, nine different receivers caught at least 19 passes. Nine. Ohio State had four. They had, uh, let's see here, eight guys go for at least 225 receiving yards last season. And so that, that hurt him a little bit too, in my opinion is is the fact that the 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 numbers are the ball spread around a lot more at Washington which so he's not going to put up or at least last year didn't put up those big numbers that the Ohio State kids put up because and I think that's something that that could make maybe maybe make people look at him and say hey that's why you're not going to have a mech had more touchdowns or whatever the case may be but uh I I think that that the the system actually hurt his production a little bit and when it because there it's just not the we're going to throw to these two guys like some of the other systems that's kind of what i think um yeah. a little bit when i look at him so there's just some guys in this list i'm just like i look i i feel like i think we're i think i feel like we're still kind of living off of xavier worthy's pre-2022 yes. hype right where it's like he had a really nice freshman year you're like man he's gonna have a dynamic sophomore year yeah just wasn't very good as a sophomore i mean yeah. to be completely honest about it like he wasn't very drops. good Yes. A lot of could, drops. Could he get it back on trap? It's very possible. He's a very talented yeah. football player. I mean, he's one of those kids that at 6'1", 160-something pounds, he only needs a, a he only needs half a step to create a big play. Like, he's that type of yeah. athlete. But if we're talking about 2022 season being in this conversation, he shouldn't be this high mm-hmm. right now. He shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if he – Maybe I put him at ten because he still has upside. Like maybe, like Ryan, just if if you wanted, if you were to tell me Xavier Worthy does, belongs in the top ten on projection alone, I'd say okay, I'm fine yeah. with that. If you wanted to not have him in the top ten, I'd say, you know, I, I'd I'd start talking about the projection. Hey, you know what? I mean, because in one breath, I can't say I think Quinn Ewers is really going to have a good year, and then number two, not say that none of his receivers are going to benefit from it. Sure. Right? I mean. But to your point, looking at this list, number four, like number four on this list, no, I can't. No, I can't. It's just too and, high right now. Just too I mean, high right now. to me, look, I, I know that he's talented and, and had a, that good freshman year. But, I mean, if we're just going to go off of what guys have done, Malik Neighbors was a much better wide receiver than he was last year. The kid from LSU, much better receiver than he was last year. Jalen McMillan was a much better receiver than he was last year. And, hey, here's the thing. We saw those two kids on the same field going against each other. And yeah. and, and Jalen made plays, and guess what Malik did? Malik dropped a huge touchdown in that game, in a game that they uh, – do you, you remember that play that they had that, that big pass down the field? 
Xavier Worthy. Yeah. What did Xavier I say, Malik? Yeah, yeah Xavier Malik. Worthy had that. He had a chance for a big, big play down the middle of the field and just dropped it. And again, they lost by a touchdown. You know, so it's um, you know, and you just, I oh, man, I just, I can't go there with you on that one. So you can't, you can't tell me he's there, and then you're gonna have him behind. You're gonna have him ahead, him ahead of Jalen McMillan. I just, I right. can't go there with you. I just, I can't go there with you. And I love the story of Lad McConkey, right? Former right. walk-on, best receiver on Georgia this past year, two straight national championships. But he's not a top ten receiver no. in college football. <laughs> no. That's just kind of where it is. But he's a good football player. There's right. no doubt. He made a lot of clutch plays last year when Georgia needed him. He's a right. good football player. But I mean, we're, the production doesn't back up that back no. up that point. It, Nor does the a, talent. Nor does yeah. the talent. If we're going to be completely no. honest with you. Just a good football player. Just not a, he's not a top ten he's not a top ten wide receiver in college right. football. He's just not. No. No. I mean no. <laughs> I just I like you said, I get it. I get it. Right. But I mean, like you said, the production's not there. It just the talent's not there. I just I can't. I can't go there with you. I really can't. Now the question would be, Ryan, is is who who should be on that list? Because I, I would I would argue that the kid from Western Kentucky shouldn't be on that list either, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that that's a system. That's uh, I, I, everything that I, I see at Western Kentucky. I just I have to I I kind of look at it and say, hey, it's fun, it's numbers and production, but it's just it's if you can't have a four thousand yard passing quarterback in that system, he's not that good. You know, go compare. And this was to my Austin Reed. Go look at his numbers, compare them to the kid that they had the year before. Bailey Z- was it? Uh, what's Zappy. his name? Zappy. Zappy. Yeah. They're not even close. I mean, yeah, he threw for 4,000. Yeah, Bailey Zappi threw for almost 6,000 yards, right? I mean, that's what a big-time quarterback in that system looks like. And I feel the same thing about the wide receiver position, Ryan. I just – I can't – I can't go there with, with that kid to me. I can't. Now, the question is, is okay, well, then who are you going to put in there, right? I, I think that's a that's a more I, fair conversation to have. I would have put one of the Kent State receivers that transferred yeah. out this past year, Dante Cephas, or the I forget the Walker's kid's first name. I know it starts with a D that transferred down Devontes. to North Carolina. Devontae yeah. Walker, who yeah. transferred down to North Carolina, he should be potentially Drake yeah. May's number one option in 2023. So if we're talking about projection, yeah. I mean he had like a thousand yards last year, plus now you're with the second best quarterback in college football, potentially. Right. I, mean, I think he should have a big year. Dante Cephas going over to Penn State, I think is going to potentially yes. be a nice player with Drew Aller. Yeah. So like, I, I think one of those two and, deserves to have him. And the other part of it too, Ryan, is those kids, we've seen those kids produce against good schools. I mean, we saw them yeah. we saw them perform last year against Washington, and I thought they performed very well. And I like Cephas more. I think Cephas's game, to me, projects a little bit more because he's such a good route runner. I mean, yeah. he is a really dynamic route runner. Walker's a very good player, too. Uh, I mean, that kid had over 100 yards last year against Georgia. He had 106 yards in the touchdown. I mean, so it's not like they're out there dominating bad teams. And then uh, Cephas had uh, 105 yards against uh, Washington. Georgia did a better job keeping him in check because he was more of a slot. But those are those are good football players that have produced against Division One football teams. And and yeah. so um, I'm with you on those two guys. I, I'm totally fine having those two guys on there. I would I would say – um, very, very comfortable, very comfortable having those two guys on there, especially the kid going to the Walker kid going to North Carolina. Cause if we're going to, if we're going to put guys in here because of the system they play in. Yeah. You, you, you got to give me a North Carolina kid in that, in that offense. 
he's going he's going to put up do. some numbers. He's going to put oh, up some yeah. numbers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because Josh Downs is gone, right? Yep. Antoine Green is gone. Isn't he, he yep. he's in the NFL now too, right? Correct. You're going to have a really good tight end in Bryson Nesbitt, but after that, there's a spot there. There's I mean JJ Jones is is there. I mean, you know, there's some young players, Andre Green Jr., but those that kid's going to step right into that and be a, a productive player for them. And I feel the yes. same way about Dante Cephas at uh, Penn State. I think he's going to end up being Drew Aller's best friend by the middle of the season, in my opinion. I, I think one other guy that I would mention, and this is a little bit of a tough one because he just entered the portal, but I think Keon Coleman that played at uh, Michigan State last year was a stud, yeah. man. I really think he's talented. Yeah. I think he – we have to project with him because he only had – Around 800 yards, I think like 700-something right. yards last year. But that kid is very, very talented. Yeah, talented. I just got to see the production, and I got to know where he's going to play first. I mean, yeah, it, no, you fair. know what I mean? Like, it's kind of hard for me to say, well, he's going to be good because I don't even know what system he's going to play in next yep. year. You know, so that's that makes it a little bit a little bit harder for me. And then there's some, you know, the the, the kid from – here's a kid that I have my eye on as a, as a breakout potential top 10 guy is the Wells kid from South Carolina. Antoine I thought Wells. he had a really nice year coming up from the from the because he was at James Madison the year before. Now James Madison is a top is a is an FBS team now, but they were not when he was there. Yep. And so you know he went out this past year at at South Carolina and had sixty eight catches for nine hundred twenty eight yards, six touchdowns. Had and he finished the season well. Now he had a tough time against Notre Dame, but you know who else had a tough time putting up big numbers against Notre Dame? Just about every other receiver in college football last year. But he went for 177 against Tennessee, 131 against Clemson. Uh, you know, so he finished the year very strong. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to have a really good year this year. He's someone that I would probably have in the bottom of my top ten. I, I think he's a good kid that I really like, Ryan. Looking forward. Yeah. Let's move on and get this last couple lists out here real quick, Ryan. Uh, tight end, no brainer, number one. Brock Bowers, <laughs> number one. Uh, yes. Brevin Span Ford from Minnesota, number two. I know you really like that one as well. I know you're I very do. high on him. Uh, yep. Jatavion Sanders, number three. Uh, you've got Jaheim Belt, number four. Bryson Nesbitt at number five from North Carolina. Benjamin Yurisek from Stanford at number Stanford at number six. Kate Stover from Ohio State, number seven. Jalen Conyers at Arizona State, number eight. Caden Price uh, Priestcorn from uh, Ole Miss is number nine. And then the Sidu Traore kid that was a Colorado. I don't has he committed anywhere yet? Do you, do we know? I don't think so. Be? I think he, I think I think he's in the portal right now. Because so where was he? Was he, he at Troy? The or Arkansas no, State. Arkansas, Arkansas State. State. Here before he was really yeah. good at Arkansas State. He was really good at Arkansas State and expected. I mean, he was a big grab for Colorado in the transfer portal. But for whatever reason, I I don't know what the situation is. He is back in the portal, so it's a very unknown situation right now. Yeah. Uh, Brock Bowers, no brainer number one. Ryan, yep. I, you, I haven't, I told you this before. I mean, you've got to always be careful when you're doing these lists that if you watch a couple games and a guy doesn't flash, you shouldn't assume that that's who he is. Some guys just have down games. I yep. watched Texas a few times last year. I didn't notice Jatavion Sanders really standing out. You've seen games where he looked really good and the numbers yep. at the end of the year are really good. Yes. And I think he is another guy that will benefit production wise from what I expect to be a more consistent Brock yours. So, yeah, you no, know, I'm, I'm good with him being there. Um, Bryson Nesbitt, I like a lot. Jaheim Bell is way too high, in my <laughs> opinion. I think that's sort of like this thing of, oh, he runs the football, but he's just he's just an okay player. You know, going to Florida State should help him a little bit. Benjamin Urasek's a guy I think is going to have a lot of production this year because of the system that he plays in. I um, hope so. Here's a guy that I think is going to have a big jump in production, right? And 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 I and I, I'm I'm guessing that I, this is a this is a reach. This could be a reach. I'm not going to lie because it's just not a system that normally throws a ton of balls to the tight end. 
even though it uses the tight end, but it's not from a, it's for from a, a clutch situation as opposed to a, a volume situation. But I think this year is going to be a lot more volume, and that's Cade Stover at Ohio State. Yeah, because of the fact that you know you, you're you don't have. I mean, you're going to have a lot of good young players, but you're going to have a new quarterback. And yep. I think one of the best ways to get a, a, a good young quarterback comfortable, Ryan, and a first-time starter comfortable is to really utilize the tight end out of the backfield, over the middle. I can see Steve, Cade Stover. I mean, he had 34, 36 catches for 406 yards last year, five touchdowns. I know you've said NFL people are very high on him. Yeah. If he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. If he's healthy, I could see Cade Stover seeing a really – nice jump in production you know like i said 36 catches last year i could see him getting up to 45 50 at least this year and and getting around you know five six six hundred yards and ohio state hasn't had that kind of production from a tight end in in a number of years yeah but i think it's just it's a combination of he can fill that middle of the field role that they didn't use enough of last year and just the nature of having a first-time starter or quarterback is where i see that that production taking a, a, a jump in my opinion. Well, I think, I think the guy that's going to be way higher on this list is the guy that actually is right under him on this list. I, I like Jalen Conyers from Arizona mm-hmm. state. He was a former Oklahoma player that transferred to Arizona state. <laughs> Honestly, man, he was, he, what, what, what? Well, he's, I was, I was so mean, you know, he's going to have a quarterback that loves throwing uh, to the tight end. Sure. <laughs> so hey, going to be that. Hey, man. And I, I've heard that Jalen has had a, a great – he had a great spring now going into the offseason. He had over 40 catches last year. He had over 400 yards. And what was an anemic offense for Arizona State last year with Emory Jones? It just was not very good. Yet he still had some production. He actually had a lot of production for the situation he was in. And I, I really think that this – that kid – if he puts together the season, I think his talent is worth it because he's like 6'4", 265, but he can run and he can re- really work things after the catch. I think he could have 600-plus yards next year, and I think that he could be one of the best tight ends in all of college football, and I think he could be also be an NFL draft riser. So I expect Jalen Conyers from Arizona State to have a big year. I, Benjamin Urasek's always been a guy, man. Like I remember him against Notre Dame a couple years ago where I was like, that kid moves yeah. different for a tight yeah, end, man. Really He's talented. Long. Dude, didn't he have a jet sweep two years ago for a 50-yard touchdown? He like was, ran That was last jet year. Sweep. That, that was, was last, last year. year. I think it was the year yeah. before. That was last year. Like but, a 50-yard regain or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a good football player, man. He really is. He's a really he is. I, I, I like Benjamin Urasek. Again, you have to give him the football. But then bringing in that Sacramento State coaching staff, obviously with Troy Taylor, they had a Marshall Martin kid at Sac State the last couple of years that was one of their best pass catchers, and he was a tight end. He kind of played like that big slot position. So I think that we're going to see a, a big upside for him as a player in year two. I love Brevin Span for being quoted on this list because not only was he productive in a anemic passing offense oh. for Minnesota – he was also a really good blocker, man. So shout out to the blockers on this list. I mean, yeah. that kid's like 6'7", 265 pounds. He's a really good football player. Cool with Sanders being there. I agree. Jaheim Bell's a big pro- projection, man. One, yeah. he, wasn't incredibly pre- he was not an incredibly productive pass receiver last season. And two, he's going to Florida State that hasn't really utilized the tight end that well right. over the last couple <clears throat> years. Like they, they had the uh, Cameron McDonald kid who was just like a – afterthought and i actually thought he had a decent he was a decently talented player it still didn't get a lot of opportunities so we'll see with him man i just think as as at this point that's just way too high for a guy like Jaheim bell yeah, I mean, he was talented a guy that averaged 9.2 yards per catch last year 
at South yeah. Carolina. You know, here's a guy that's not on the list. If you say, okay, well, if you don't think the guy should be on there, who should be on there? I'll tell you exactly a guy that should be on there. Uh, I can't believe he's not on this list. Is Ron Zay Gadsden the second? Do we count like, him as a tight end? Yes, though? they list slot. him as a tight end I, and I the know, way they use but... him. I mean, look, Michael Mayer wasn't attached all that much either, but they use, they call him a tight end. They treat him like a tight end. They get him, try to get him in slot tight end matchups. So yeah, he's a tight end in my opinion. And he should be on this list. Right, because that's the nature of college football now, man. I mean, Jaheim Bell's not lining up in an attached position seventy-five thousand times a game. You know what I mean? Like, that's the way they use them. They don't use an attached tight end a whole lot. And to me, that that's a good football player. And we saw that firsthand. He's obviously, he's a really good football player. Uh, yeah, he's a good football player. And so, um, I I look, they list him as a tight end. I think I, he can I should I should. Yeah. I should have included him in my wide receiver list since he's a wide receiver, Brian. No, but I like a wide it, receiver. I, I love not a wide receiver. He I is like a it. tight end. They list him as a tight end, <laughs> and they use him over the middle of the field a bunch. ESPN so, listed Jaden Thomas as a tight end as well. So you know, right. sometimes and Jaden Greathouse. Okay, but that's because they don't know the team. The yes. team lists him as a tight end, and so uh, I think they would know how they use him more yep. than a lot of other people would. So now you're just trying to piss me off and it's working. Yeah. Syracuse, um, give me a call. Yeah. I'll label your roster okay. better for you, man. Okay. I'll label the roster better. Okay. <laughs> Moving on before I snap on Ryan right now. Um, interior offensive line, Ryan, uh, I'm good with no Notre Dame guys not being on there. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. There's a couple yeah. positions where I would, I would, ha- I have some big issues, but none of them being that, you know, Zeke Carrot a nice year. He's got to be a little bit more consistently dominant for me to put him on this list because this is guards yeah. and center. So this is a top 10 of three positions, not two, yes. like it is for offensive tackle. I'm good with him not being on that list, but I'll tell you a guy that I could see being on that list. Now, if we're going to do a centers only list, Zeke's in there for me. He's one of the 10 best returning centers in college football next year. In my opinion, I just don't know if I'm if I'm going to put him in the top ten all interior offensive line. I just got to see a lot, uh, just some more dominant play from him. But he definitely played good for him this year. Yeah. I'm very curious to see if we're talking about Billy Shrouth as being a potential guy on this list. He, he, no, no, no conversation right now about having him on this list. Guys never played a snap of college football, sure. but could we see him on this list when we're having the same conversation next year? I don't know. He's got the talent for it, but I'll say this. Notre Dame needs him to be that guy going yep. into the season because that the guard position is the one where we're still going to see sort of the biggest question marks still about this about this offensive line is they're gonna have to they're gonna have to get good guard play. It doesn't have to be great guard play, but it has to at least be good guard play. And yep. the other part of it is it, it, Ryan, is you're gonna you're gonna need um you're going to really need him, especially to me. If you want to be a great offensive line, you're going to at least one of those guards to be. To f- and the reason I say this, you need a dominant side. You need at least one dominant side. And if neither of the guards step up, then you're not going to have a dominant side. Right. And so that's why it's important that you say, hey, look, one of these guards has to really step up and be good because you need a dominant side. And that's um, that's a big that's a big thing for me. Yeah, big and I mean. And this list is kind of thin a little bit, right? Like there's some guys you're just like, but you can't really argue too much against it because it just seems like there's not a lot of great interior offensive linemen coming back in 2023. So I feel like one of those guys could definitely take that type of jump. I was happy to see that they didn't forget about Christian Mahogany, who was obviously lost preseason from Boston College, but he's a 
I, I need to go back and actually find the article, but I'm sure that he was at least top two or three on the list in t- going into the 2022 season. Like, Which I'm is sure. why I would have even had him a little bit higher. I mean, I don't think his injury was such that he's never going to be the same player again. I don't think it was that kind of injury. I'd be okay right. having him on the list. I, I think Zach Zinter's. I would. I would be. I would say Zach Zinter probably needs to be higher than three. Yeah, uh, just my opinion. I think he's about as steady of an offensive lineman as you're going to find. In college football, in my opinion, I've, I have Cooper BB is a fantastic player, so I was okay with yeah. him there. I have never seen the Bo Limmer kid play from Arkansas. I've never focused mm-hmm. on him, so I I just don't know enough about him to yeah. be honest. Other than the PFF grades they put, I did also love. I'll say this: Christian Haynes from UConn is actually a really good player, yeah. man. I was happy they put him in the list. I didn't think that he would be, but he is there. Another USC offensive line. Four. Adam yeah, number man. four. It's yeah, it's really high. Another USC offensive lineman that's slightly overrated, Justin Ditch. He's okay, man. He's fine. He's yes. Fine. I, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. This <laughs> could just be me being a Notre Dame guy. But if I had to pick next year who I wanted on my team, him or Zeke Carell, I'm taking Zeke Carell. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yep. And I'd say the same thing with the next guy on the list, number six, Drake Nugent. I, I do not get this one. And and I don't understand. I, it, it's not just pro football focus either. No. I mean, he was a he was a the what was it Walter football or Wal- Walter football? Walter, <laughs> he probably was a Walter football too. <laughs> overall pick, Walter, <laughs> Jack Kaiser in the first round. Why not? Sure. Um, the Walter Camp uh, preseason All American list. He's first team All American, and I'm just thinking, uh, based on what. I just I didn't see it with him. He's another guy that I just didn't see. I didn't see what what other I don't see what other people see with him. I don't. I, I think he's a very solid football player who's playing at Michigan this year. So people are like, yeah, jump on that bandwagon early. Like, that's kind of what I feel like then. Yeah. I, a little bit of a projection here, but I also like number seven, the Tate Ratledge kid who plays offensive guard for Georgia. Yeah. That kid's talented, man. Yeah. He's massive, dude. So I was, I was five in this list real quick. In yes. my, I mean, I mean, I would have him top five. If we're talking about projecting even a little bit, Ryan, yeah, he's easily top five. I mean, to me, I'm putting him ahead of Nugent and Diedrich right now. Right. I, now. I think I think there's a couple of young Georgia offensive linemen because we didn't talk about him in the offensive tackle list. But I would be surprised if Amarius Mims has his head on straight this year. I'd be surprised if he's not a top 10 offensive lineman in college football yeah. after the season as an yeah. offensive tackle for Georgia. He's a talented kid and so is Ratledge. he's a just yeah. massive mover man like he's i i, I, I would that. not i would not like i would not mess with that guy in a dark alley i'll just put it that way <laughs> would not mess with him <laughs> that's good to know that's good to know all right let's get to uh let's get to a little bit more by the way we're gonna go back to this conversation yeah uh, how many receivers do you know line up <laughs> attached to the line of scrimmage for 82 snaps which is what aronde <sighs> gats did last year 501 in the slot so yeah, so just uh, an, another example of of you are making me mad today. That, that's any, that's any what you other, that's what you've been doing over there, man. You no, I found that s- real quickly. Hey, oh, here's okay. a guy that I haven't seen, Ryan, that I wanted to ask you about because I see a lot of him being one of the top two or three centers in college football. I have I have not seen this kid. What are your thoughts on Zach Frazier from West Virginia? Haven't seen him. Haven't okay. seen him at all. So I don't have much. I, oh, do you know? I just noticed was Cedric Van Praan on that list oh. from Georgia. He should have been on that list no. too. He's one of the better centers in college football. I think. I think Donovan Jackson is getting way too much hype as a first round draft pick next year. But if we're talking yeah. about if we're talking about projecting best interior offensive lineman this year, he needs to be higher than nine. He absolutely oh, yeah. needs to be higher than Drake Nugent. He absolutely needs to be higher than Justin Diedrich for sure. 
Yes, for sure. So he's another guy that I would have higher on this list as well, Ryan. And again, I, he might be the most talented guy on this list. Honestly, he's in the conversation. Jackson. I mean, yeah. and and his good snaps are he's he is their version of Blake Fisher. But I think he was even a little bit more dominant at times than Blake because he wasn't playing on an island. It's just one of the benefits of playing guard over over tackle. But you know, we talk a lot about Blake Fisher being a guy that you know his good snaps are as good as just about anybody. Donovan Jackson's 20 best good snaps last year are better than in, I mean, just about any guard on this list. If you take their 20 best snaps, the consistency yeah. is, and that's going to come from him being a, still a young, he was a young football player still last year. Yep. All the experience he got last year is going to be huge for him. I, if you're talking about projection and you wanted to have him as a top five interior guy, I could, I would not argue with you on that one. I yeah. would now my only, here's my only concern for Donovan as a player. This isn't about his talent. There's a lot of question marks about what's going to be on both sides of him. You know, I think yes. Carson Hinsman should take the center job. So, you know, but he's going to be a first year starter kid. I like a lot. You and I liked a lot. I still thought Notre Dame should have taken him to be completely honest with you in the 2022 class, but the left tackle thing is, is a mess. The guy that he played with all spring is probably not going to be the starter at left tackle. They just went out and got the kid from San Diego state. Who's yeah. Okay. You know, that's, I guess the move Fryer probably over to right. Yeah, side, probably. Assume, so that that'd be my only concern for him. And we've seen that at Notre Dame where we've seen guards struggle because of what around them wasn't as good. And that's my sure. only concern for Donovan Jackson. But if we're just talking talent and potential of as long as what's around him is not dragging him down. And I don't think yeah. it's going to be that bad. Yeah, uh, he's a guy to me that should be a top five guy for me. And again, because, you know, a little bit overrated with, you know, I've seen people put him in the top 15 of next year's offensive you know, draft. I'm like, all right, let's pump the brakes a little bit. That's projecting a little bit too much. Yeah. But if we're talking just interior players, to me, he's one of the five to seven best interior players. And especially if we're going to go off of this list and shouldn't he be ahead of the guys on this list, there's no doubt he should be ahead of Tedrick and Nugent on this list. Yes. Easily. Yes. Yep. Easily, in my opinion. Uh, and then the last guy on the list, Ryan, uh, Christian Mahogany is another one that that even with the injuries, I'd, I'd, I'd put him higher, even with the injury. I mean, I get he didn't play last year, and I was glad that they put him on the list. But, I mean, he was a – he was a he's a t- – if he doesn't have the injury last year, he's – first of all, he's – I mean – Probably in the draft. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Probably not even coming back. But he's a really good football player. Now, yes. with him, it's going to be the same thing, though. Here's my only question about him is the same thing. What's around him? It's not very good. Yeah. And and that's the only issue that I have with Mahogany. But as an individual player, I mean, he should be higher on this list. And even yeah. with the injury, because the injury is why he should be five, six or seven. I mean, if it wasn't for the injury and he decided to come back, he's top. I mean, him and the kid from Kansas State, to me, or that's the top two, in my opinion. Would, would you disagree with the pushback on that? No, no, no not, not if uh, I mean, if he had played this past year, I don't think so. Like, I mean, that's just he was. And again, you never know exactly what it would have looked like because sure. to your point, I mean, it's like Drew Kendall. Does he take a big step in year two as the full-time center? And I guess the conversation is how much of Christian Mahogany's production in 2021 is because everything around him was so solid, right? Like you had a solid center, you had solid mm-hmm. tackles. Sol- I get that, but I just – I think that he – to your points, and I think it's a great point – is that he would not even be on this list if he didn't get hurt because he would be in the NFL right now. He probably would have right. been a top three round pick. Right. Like that's I was simply saying, so. let's just say for whatever reason he decided to come back. Right. Yeah. If he was healthy, he's a he's in the conversation for top two, in my opinion. Yep. So I definitely would have him. I mean, I'd say find that happy medium. 
And I don't believe his injury was such that it was, what was it? It was an Achilles ACL. or an ACL. Okay. It is ACL. Yeah. That's like, that's fine. I mean, he'll come back from that. And, and, it, and it, it was in the preseason. preseason. Exactly. Yeah, it was in the preseason. Exactly. Playing basketball too, which is a very no. unfortunate circumstance. No, but yeah. 